Good morning, planet Earth, and welcome to the Aminicorp podcast. I want to talk about a lot of things. I am highly caffeinated and ready to roll, but I'm going to talk about two major trends that turned out to be fads because of during COVID-19, 2020, the lost year. First, we're going to talk about virtual reality. A massive flop. Not going anywhere. Sell, get out now. It might become a niche industry for B2B use. That might be it. Second is esports, aka the marketing division of the video game industry. A massive flop, not going anywhere. The people that bet on these things are going to lose everything. I mean, they're not going to make their money and they're going to look dumb. They already kind of do look dumb, unfortunately. It aligns very well with my theory that the new economy is based on self-actualization and neither virtual reality nor esports really help the self, the person evolve and grow. Maybe in some niche cases, on some in some edge cases, you could apply that and anyone who would make it successful, I'll argue, is aligning it with that, you know, therapeutics, PTSD on the VR side, um, socializing, and maybe autistic, uh, what's the term, socializing, um, or or group messaging on the esports side. So let's get into it. If you want to hear the truth about what's happening in the business world, please make sure to subscribe to this podcast by texting AminiCorp to 312-487-3550. You will only receive new episodes via email. Thank you so much. It is Wednesday, October 14th, 2020, the forgotten year, or the year we will hope to forget, but may we never forget the lessons learned during the COVID-19 global pandemic. It's really incredible how successful business people can make horrendous decisions that were obvious to anybody except them, to the point where you wonder, is this a scam? What is going on here? How could you be so poor with managing so much capital? Like Quibi, the mobile content app, the mobile focus, mobile uh, native Netflix, right? These Hollywood executives raise hundreds of millions of dollars, over a billion dollars, and make an app with original short-form content. Here, people that aren't plugged into the zeitgeist are analyzing data of the times to come to a conclusion that was a ghost in the machine. It was more noise than signal, and the idea is that People want short form content, and that's where things are going. But the truth is, the reason the trend is across almost every digital platform towards shorter and shorter content is because ad agencies don't understand digital, don't understand the internet, ad executives don't understand the internet, they're not part of the internet culture. The ones that made it, are and understand it, but the rest don't. And 
you know, these are the same people that were asking, what is the internet in the 90s? And so they see the trend down in view times and they say, oh, let's make TV shows that are in short snippets. But that's only because the the field, the industry, every so the, the landscape is swamped with bad content that people don't want to watch. So they're watching less and less of it. Ad agencies shove bad content down the throats of people online and then say in other meetings, we have to make shorter content because no one's watching content, but it's really because their content sucks. Case in point, when content is great and matches the medium, the channel matches the content, you have huge watch rates. Joe Rogan's podcast, number one podcast in the world two to three hours, multiple times a week, right? People watch the whole thing. The podcasting industry in general is long form digital content that people sit down and watch. Some of that is because they can listen passively while they do other things. Certainly the other is because it's good content. It's raw, unfiltered, authentic content, which brings about joy and uh, comedy and uh, surprises, right? So. QB, whatever the hell this thing is called, spent all this money, paid all these actors, everyone made out like a bandit, launched right as the pandemic hit. This was supposed to be the perfect timing, once in a lifetime timing. But they wouldn't let you stream the content to your television. So now you're not commuting, you're not out and about in the world on your phone, you want to watch it on your big TV because you're sitting there all day. How great would it have been to let series and videos play while on your television while you're working on your laptop all day in the background? Instead, they forced people to watch it on their phone, probably because of old school legacy licensing views from television to mobile and so on. And then second, they wouldn't let you share anything online. So nobody could share with their friends what they were watching clips and so on. So they shut down all of the most, two of the most important aspects of mobile phone usage. The social aspect, the fact you're connected to all your peers to this device and the streaming aspect, which lets you replace the content on larger screens with the content on your tiny screen, right? And they're done. It's over, nobody cares, their 90-day trials have expired and their usage rate is plummeting. Nobody wants seven-minute TV shows, it turns out. Think about it. When you're watching a show you really like on any of these streaming devices, right? Digital media, new media, what do you do? What has happened that people didn't expect that was so different than legacy media? You binge watch, you sit down, you watch the whole damn thing because it's engrossing, it's captivating, it's interesting to you personally, right? The story, the plot, the characters, what have you. And you watch as much of it as you can. You don't stop an episode a third of the way through and say, I'm gonna watch the rest later. So unbelievable misappropriation of funds. Hilariously sad, right? Unbelievable.
segueing into two larger misappropriations of funds or two trends that everyone needs to exit immediately unless they have a clear revenue strategy for virtual reality and esports get out of your positions in these two industries especially if you're in venture capital or private equity if you're looking to acquire do not unless there's a niche use case that makes sense in a specific industry and I bet you it's only going to be B2B solutions that make sense. And even then, it's really going to be a tool, you know, in the technology stack for a business to enable a business model, right? This, this mass adoption of virtual reality is not happening. The mass adoption of esports is not happening. Here's proof that I'm right. COVID-19. Everyone was stuck at home. Everyone got, most everyone got, in America anyway, a stimulus check, 1200 bucks or more, plus unemployment, plus 600 bucks I think, on top for a week in unemployment. So everyone made out with some cash in hand and free time and couldn't really, didn't have anywhere to go. So you would have expected virtual reality to explode in adoption. Here we are in the middle of a global pandemic. Everyone's freaking out. The world is ending. What a perfect time to escape into an alternative world, to meet your friends in a virtual environment, to play games that are fully immersive and let you forget about your tiny New York apartment, right? The epicenter by deaths, death percentage, percentage dead, excuse me, fatality rate, the epicenter, no matter how you cut it by deaths, is New York City, Manhattan. Everyone's stuck in a 300 square foot apartment for weeks and weeks. Nobody wanted to get virtual reality. And it's obvious to me, it's obvious to most people that are outside of this like tech bubble is that we would rather be outside in nature then stuck in some virtual reality. We want real human contact and connection. Things that help us get there are better than things that mimic that, ultimately. So it's over, man. VR is over. I am so glad I'm not involved in this incubator that pulled my chain around, was rather disrespectful in my time when I was pitching them an indoor farming concept for life-changing money, and these knuckleheads are obsessed with VR. And I'm like, okay, we don't see the world the same way, you guys. I don't trust your ability to allocate capital. I understand your father is a famous venture capitalist, so you have access to capital, early-stage capital. I get it, and I respect that, and I don't really grudge you but you don't get where the world is going and you think you do and getting tied up with people that are going in the wrong direction is like the worst thing that can happen to you so vr is over now ar augmented reality that is going to take off right apple's new glasses are going to change everything because it overlays 
interesting information and experiences onto the real world. We want as human beings to be in the real world. When I'm standing next to you, my body is electromagnetically engaging with your body. It senses it. This is proven. And there are trillions and trillions of cells in some indirect and perhaps unintelligent way communicating with each other and mine, right? There are second and third and tenth order effects that we do not even understand because our instruments, we're not asking the right questions probably, but our instruments aren't sensitive enough. The only thing sensitive enough to detect the subtle electromagnetic responses of another person's cells is another person. And so there's like a whole world there, right? Your gut biome, the pheromones you're putting off, your, uh, the, the, the fact that our eyes have been, have evolved to detect the slightest difference in the direction your eye is looking. Because where you're looking is a really important for my survival. And that's why when we sit in front of the big screen at the movie theater with these giant heads, the way the characters respond to each other tells us a lot about how we should feel about that character in the situation, right? It's also why celebrities are, they exist. The thing that says everyone in the tribe is looking at, the person that everyone in the tribe is looking at is elevated in status because Typically, that person had something of value to offer, was a leader, etc. And therefore, we also seek, look at them and seek their approval and consult and so on. Right? These are like deep, deep, deep trenches of evolutionary psychology, development, physiology, everything. Right? And if you try to replace that with some graphics that hurt your eyes, right? No, you get, there's a, I think serotonin, there's like the, the focus, um, the neurotransmitter that helps you pay attention. I can't remember which one it is, but it regenerates when you look at green and non, uh, what's the term? Angles that are not, uh, not 90 degrees. So looking at leaves in the forest has a calming effect on your parasympathetic immune uh nervous system is that right it lowers your stress levels immediately go figure this is the way it is you're not going to change that in 100 years in 10 years especially so vr is out it's for losers sorry investing in it is a horrible idea incorporated into your business if it makes sense and that's probably all it's going to be is a service-based play now you have esports okay there is no bigger waste of your life than playing electronic sports like there isn't okay this is just my personal opinion but it's also not going to go anywhere because now you see we're all stuck at home esports are supposed to become the next big thing they did not why we're all stuck at home we all have youtube and twitch there's a perfect time to launch esports. Normal sports were canceled, so we didn't have anything else to watch, no competition, yet they didn't take off. 
Why? Because there's nothing there. There is no triumph in clicking a keyboard and a mouse and moving your eye, you know, half a degree up and down, hunched over, pale from lack of vitamin D, giving yourself weird, you know, carpal tunnel syndrome, compared to kicking a field goal, pushing your body, growing it in strength and agility and ability, practicing, coordinating your muscles, increasing your power output, your speed, right? Your strength, your explosiveness, and then working with a team in unison. And when someone catches a ball that without words and two people just knew how to, they were locked in on the team, they were locked into each other, they knew where to be, like there's nothing better, right? That is a hundred million times more impactful than an esports game. Now, obviously, sport, you know, real physical sports can destroy the body as well. I'm not saying that's good either. But if esports were going to take off, now's the time they they had to have taken off. They did not take off. Therefore, they are not. They are a fad, and they are not tapping into something deeper in our human existence and elevating that. I would assume, therefore, right? And if you look at the numbers, the entire esports industry is like, is literally 1% of the video game industry in market size. That's how much a company will easily spend on advertisement or, you know, sponsorship. That's a portion. Maybe 3% is how much a company might spend on marketing. A third of that might be in ads. A third of that might be in sponsorships, etc. So you have a billion dollars, roughly, the esports market. And, oh, it's going to grow. It's going to explode. Hockey stick. No, it's not. Shut up. It's over. Okay? It's not good for you. It doesn't lead to – it's not going to lead to a career except for the top 1.1%. And even then, a billion dollars split up is not that much money. So there is no career. We're not talking about NFL, football, et cetera, where hundreds of people can make a living. Thousands of people can make a living. Tens of thousands, really, when you consider the whole supporting industries, right? Or all the other professional sports. And so what you really have here is the video game industry spending a percentage of their ad budget, their marketing budget, sponsoring events for to sell their products to a future generation, right? Adidas sponsors soccer players so that the next generation of kids watching wears Adidas. This is all that's happening. NVIDIA and Rockstar Games and all the other industry that actually produce things people want are just subsidizing esports as a giant marketing play. That's it. And if it were more than that, it would have grown now. So anyone who's investing in these spaces needs to liquidate their position immediately. It's not getting better. It's not going to get bigger. It's over. I'm telling you, it's over. 
Get on with it. So I don't know what the, you know, there's these universities that have developed eSport scholarships. I mean, what kind of a loser wants to become a professional, get a degree in eSports? I mean, you, it, it's going to be the, and they're going to charge you like 20 grand a year, 40 grand a year. You're going to get duped. Horrible waste of time and effort and energy. And then capital. This is the my only big, my, one of my biggest gripes about capitalism, right? I love capitalism. It's great if you got capital. If you don't have capital, forget it, right? And if you're not smart enough to figure out a way to free up time, which is the first form of capital, then you're stuck and there's, it's very hard to make more money. If you don't have some space to think and strategically position yourself, train yourself up, uh, you're you're stuck in a rut. It's very hard to change lanes in modern society. And that's not so much capitalism maybe as it is just modern society. The other thing about capitalism that I don't know how we can solve this as a species moving forward. Like we need a new form of capitalism, right? We need a updated form of capitalism, a modernized version, version maybe version 2.0, right? And we're seeing that with the Council of CEOs changing the definition of the shareholder to include the employee and their communities, the communities in which the company and employees live in. Like, that's the new economy. That's self-actualized. And I believe in the value of capital. I believe capitalism is a solution for everything. I do. But it's got problems right now that we need to address. The, the big one to me is uh, waste of resources, right? When you have multiple companies trying to make the same thing and then one wins, you had all this water, plastic, oil, everything, right? Jet fuel, travel, food, everything going into these organizations and then only for one to win. And then what are we actually left with? A, you know, We want to say a better, the best version one, but that's not true. It's typically the most convenient with the best distribution, right? Betamax versus VHS, DVD versus, um, what was the other one? Laserdisc, microwave versus, um, maybe, I don't know what the option of the microwave would be, but. So, And what do we get? Marginally better products, right? So I and I don't know how to solve that problem. That's a big problem that that maybe will be solved by better recycling, right? Everyone made money during the R and D process anyway, you know. But what kills me the most is the capital that was wasted chasing the winning position, and how anyone from the outside can spot the winner or better yet, knows who should not be in the race. And the capital that's allocated to losers from the jump could have been gone to something else, right? Like this is one of the gripes I have with capitalism that we need to address. The other being, so there's inefficiencies in resource allocation, there's uh, difficulty in, um, what would you call it, upskilling 
for bottom 50% of, uh, of citizens. And then um, this incremental, incremental innovation that capitalism requires us by the, the, the psychology of investors to know who's going to buy the product before it's invested in it. And that's annoying because we need some nonlinear innovation. We need some big ideas to move society forward. And getting capital to do those things, it's very hard. I mean, it's impossible to be too far out or to have your, to, 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 it's nearly, I'm going to go ahead and say it's impossible. Maybe that's not right. Nearly impossible. It might be impossible to have institutional investors pick the right things that solve big problems. What am I trying to say here? If your idea is too innovative, it doesn't get funded. That's what I'm trying to say. People need to be able to put it in a box. Investors seem to be horrible. Venture capitalists seem to be horrible with their investment, uh, their, their ability to identify winners. I mean, all they do is invest in losers. 90%, 80% of their picks are losers, so to speak. And, you know, there's inherent bias to you tend to trust people that remind you of your younger self. So, you know, that's one thing. But then also there's the, the real thing is if you don't access those networks, if you don't live in a uh, in an elite city, work in an elite business or went to school at an elite university, you don't have access to these networks and it's very hard to break in. So, you know, I gave up on venture capital, even though this is supposed to be the capital that invests in high risk, high reward things that could launch humanity forward and there's billions and billions of dollars and it all goes towards you know pet walking businesses and whatnot so we need to get more efficient somehow and i wish i had i do have a framework i'm not going to lie to you i have a framework that i think would solve this problem and upgrade the american economy from a turboprop post-war turboprop engine to a modern jet engine and I'm in the process of putting it into play. So there's an incubator. I'm talking about starting an accelerator in the Charlotte area in a specific industry or segment that's young but growing rapidly. And uh, I use my framework to launch as many of these companies as possible. And then the goal being to you know make it widely available and prove the, the concept out. I am, I think, ultimately a theor, theor, theoretician, <laughs> theorist, I'm a business philosopher. And any success I may be having or might have in business is because the theories that I have developed are accurate, right? And if they make predictions, I'm literally betting my life, my, you know, not my physical life, but my spiritual, psychological, and financial life on my theories. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see where they go. Um, but I do know, in so much as the one that's working right now is marketing, and my ability to find this framework for marketing that's so fundamentally accurate, I can't believe it, 
nobody believes it. It's unbelievable. Um, and the marketing company we're forming around it is pretty exciting. And it's proof that I'm in the right direction, right? I'm headed in the right direction. But, you know, before you, it seems to be, before you create wealth, you need cash flow, right? You need to have the space and time to think strategically and travel. That's another thing. It's crazy, you know, venture capitalists, I'm like, how, I can't get, I heard you need 40 meetings. Someone on Twitter said, it was so hard, but we did it. We got, the, you know, we went to 40 meetings, 50 meetings, and we finally got a few to say yes. And I'm like, dude, I can't even, and I tried for years. I can't get 40 meetings scheduled. Are you kidding me? To get FaceTime with investors? I've gotten like four. And it's not enough to learn and move forward. To get enough, I can't get enough meetings to get enough no's to get enough yeses to raise venture capital. That's just a simple fact of the matter is, the matter. You know, sorry, man. I tried hard and I had some good ideas. That's why my indoor farming, I just couldn't get it to work. I couldn't raise enough money. I didn't know what I was doing, obviously, but... um. But this idea in venture capital that I can't re, you know I can't remember where I'm going with this and yes I'm I'm extremely uh, I'm as cynical of venture capital as venture capital is of a, a startup idea so or skeptical right uh, critical you're you're almost like guaranteed to fail if you take on venture capital. I mean, think about it, folks. If I have a business model and it says, I'm going to pick 10 companies, one of them has to make it so big because the others will fail. And this is what I believe. Therefore, and I want to be extremely wealthy as fast as possible, right? Therefore, I'm going to make 10 bets and I'm going to push them all as hard as I can to take off as soon as possible and to get their growth rate as steep as possible, right? Like an airplane trying to get to this, you know, uh, to the outer atmosphere. Well, they got to fix that airplane as it's going down the runway because we're going, man. You got money, you got 18 months tops to spend it, 12 to 18, maybe 24 now. You better burn that cash, right? Your burn rate. And if you hit it, if you get off the ground a little bit, you can raise more money. And if you get off the ground a little bit more and then increase your, you know, and you can boom, 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 raise money. But if you miss one of those, you're going to hit a down round and another down round and you're in the ground, right? So I ultimately, as the investor, venture capitalist, don't care if you crash and burn. That's the nature of the game because one of you is going to take off, hopefully, and cover, and let's say I have 20 bets, one of you is going to take off, cover the rest. Your life, your beliefs, your dreams, your aspirations, burning in that rubble is not my concern. And typically, now you know more, and I'll get you on the next startup, right? Once you're in that network, you're, you're in that network. But it's created this madness, because 
people want you to, you know, I'm, I'm a, if I'm a venture capitalist, traditionally, I'm selling capital at a very expensive price, your equity, not even a loan, not even right profit share equity ownership. And I hope that equity grows as large as possible. So the more money I can sell you, the more equity I can get. Therefore, I'm inclined to tell you to hire expensive people to live and work in an expensive city to spend all the money as fast as possible so that you have to what? Come back for more money from me and I get what? More equity from you, right? And if you don't work out, I have terms that I can replace you with another operator. This is the nature of the game. So it's very dumb and inefficient. And it you're more likely if you take venture capital, which is only two or three percent of all businesses take venture capital, you're more likely to fail. 90% failure rate, 80% failure rate. So it's a very risky proposition, and there's a reason therefore both sides kind of agreed on. Let's have how about um why don't we grow features into products and sell them to public companies? Let's just be a corporate uh merger or acquisition, you know, division of corporate America. That's safe. Grow it, sell for a couple hundred million dollars, get tens of millions in my pocket. I'm happy. Rinse and repeat. So you kind of get into this kind of boring MBA fueled uh, batting cage practice, right? Where you're kind of just hitting ones and twos. But meanwhile, right, we need like to solve very complicated problems at very large scales. And no one's putting up the money to do that. And nobody can get the money to do that that has new ideas that is by nature, by definition, outside of that network. So there's people all across the planet, middle America, that have wonderful ideas in agriculture, in transportation. I mean, unbelievable people I meet. But the capital structure is the capital, venture capital market locks them out. Getting in front of these people requires a warm intro. There is no mechanism yet for avoiding that. And just another inefficiency with this capital market. And then, therefore, you don't know anybody that knows them, so you can't get in. Like, if you're in the middle of, you know, Illinois, southern Illinois, forget it. And, yes, there's incubators that have started because of this. But, again, those people downstream of the final merger or excuse me acquisition are all thinking about what can i invest in based on who can i do i believe i can sell this investment to upstream so incubators take on companies that they know they believe can get invested in by their network of investors um right seed investors and pre-seed invest in companies that believe they can get series a and Series A goes to, you know, growth capital. Growth capital invests in things for private equity and, you know, IPO markets, right? And so everyone's thinking about what they can sell upstream. And it's, you know, it is what it is right now. So if you have something that people can't get or see, I was probably 10 years too early on indoor farming. My designs, though, I have to admit, were copied by all sorts. I mean, I know where they are right now in the world. I got zero credit for it, you know, because of patent law. Nobody wanted to admit it. But um, 
you know, I helped, I tell myself this story, that although I got crushed by that industry, I helped set it in the right course. Uh, you know, and some would argue against, many would argue against that, but I have the receipts. So, you know, it's, it's a crazy thing. It's a crazy thing. And it'd be much easier if I had my own capital that I could seed my own projects, prove they work without anyone. Because at the early stage, man, zero to one, that's the hardest place to get capital. If you don't have resources, aka time, aka cash flow to pay your bills, and then a little bit of money extra above all else to put into these things, you can't get really actually interesting ideas off the ground. All right, so on to the news. In today's news, bank giants outdo pandemic forecasts. JP Morgan post-profit rise. City loses less than expected. That's good. Slowdown help helps speed shift to clean energy. Good for them. Solar uh, photovoltaic is in forecasts is increased is. is looks to skyrocket from 2020 to 2030 by uh, 50 gigawatts average annual solar output while coal decreases almost by 75 gigawatts forecast over 75 that's interesting and that makes sense but if we're not talking about nuclear then we're not having an honest discussion solar photovoltaic it's so water intensive and oil intensive to manufacture these things and then they break in a hailstorm. They get covered by dust in the desert. They get covered by snow, right? It's like a pain in the butt. And then every year the equipment gets better. So you're like guaranteed to uh, have outdated equipment. Even if, you know, by the time you're like through the life cycle of the, of the equipment, which can be 20 years, you're like, there's so much better technology versus what is it? Lithium? There's a form of nuclear power that, its byproduct can be used in other power plants. Gosh, what is it? It's like a lithium salt. I can't recall. I'll look into it. New iPhone came out. Who cares? Like, dude, you don't need a new iPhone. Like the gra- the only thing that can take advantage of these the graphics at the rate of um, the the increase in speed and space ultimately in processing power on these phones is the iPhone iOS itself and the fancy, you know, icons and features and all this stuff. It's like the only thing that can actually use it. So all that happens is you download the new iOS and your phone now, it's meant for a much more powerful phone. And now your phone is slowed down from it. So you have to get a new phone. It drains your battery because of all these uh, extra visual features and processing and so on. And then um, there's no app on the app store that takes advantage. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. I have the $400 iPhone SE two, And I'm like, that's it, dude. I, I refuse. First off, I want a phone that I can touch the whole screen with my one finger. I don't need a double. You know what I mean? The screens are getting so big. Um, so yes, I'm a bit of a curmudgeon, but you know, I did break down. I bought it. It's 400 bucks. Like, good Lord. And then the, the iPhone AirPods are pretty dope. But... Yeah. Let's see. Car sales reverse slide in China. That's interesting. U.S. energy industry is seeing quicker upturn than expected. 
U.S. energy industry is recovering more quickly than previously expected from fall in production from the coronavirus, the OPEC said. That's good. Delta posts widening losses. Yeah, Air, airlines, man, that's a horrible business to be in. 5G, it's another thing. Like, it's just my critique of society. Like, hey, you don't need faster internet. Like, you really don't. We don't have any need for it. Like, I get everybody needs to sell something in the world to justify their jobs, but 5G, I want to see health and safety testing on 5G. Because you got to remember, it's an exponential increase in, in speed. That means there's an exponential increase in the power output and input of your cell phone antenna. And you're putting this thing next to your head. Like there has to, there's, that's literally radiation. Now, you know, yes, people, always, there's regulations and so on. Yeah, but regulators have never kept up perfectly with new technologies. And, you know, pills come out on the market, give people heart attacks. Uh, friggin' cigarettes are still legal, right? Vaping played in a gray area. Like there's room for common sense too. Like, geez, Louise. So the 5G, I, I don't know if it's safe yet. I, I need to see a study to show it's safe. Um, this is interesting. Wall Street Journal experiences. This is a really interesting way the Wall Street Journal um, monetizes their readership. Unwind with wellness retreats at luxury resorts. From Aspen to the Berkshires, relax with a brand new series of wellness retreats curated by the Wall Street Journal and luxury travel planning company Indigare. Escape to America's best getaway havens and unwind with private horseback riding, spa treatments, and more. Book as a WSJ Plus member to enjoy complimentary Indigare Indigare Tier 2 membership and extra perks. That's smart. Maersk to cut jobs by 2,000 as it lifts full-year outlook. So this is good. Obviously, 2,000 job cuts is not good, but lift and outlook is good across multiple sectors. That's always good. This is crazy to me. New York retail spaces sell at discount. So property in a Swiss luxury clothing retailer, Acris, a tenant at one of the retail spaces, agreed to pay $45 million for the three properties. This came out to 1340 a square foot while, um, what is it, a square foot that compares with peak at Madison Avenue retail property prices about six years ago at 7589 per square foot. That's unbelievable. Hey, also, if you're going to put a tent, a heated tent outside to eat outside, your health policy is done. All right? State, municipality, whomever, you're allowed to eat inside. If you're in a heated tent on the sidewalk and that's okay to eat in, like, your health policy is stupid and it's nonsensical. And people shouldn't listen to it. I mean, my God, you don't have to listen to the government people. I know we're all, like, we're all patriotic, but that's towards the Constitution. Like, some bureaucrats interpretation of the government does not need to be followed blindingly, especially if it's destroying your family's livelihood. Take it to court, make them sue you. This is America. We sue each other in America for Christ's sake. <laughs> Renters flock to suburbia upending an urbanization trend. So this is interesting. U S rental apartment vacancy rates went from 
just under 7% in the middle of 2019 to over 9% now, while the suburban vacancy rate went from about 65 down to just over 6 So this is the greatest transfer of wealth in human history, is the number of people moving with remote, high-paying remote work from the top five cities to the by size to the bottom uh, 15 lower in size from five, you know five to or six to 20 the next 15 by size taking all their money and taxable income with them some of them are going to the suburbs but most people are like enough I went to Chicago a couple weeks ago visit my dad after a uh, you know he had emergency bypass surgery on his heart I couldn't visit him because of covid it was very very bothered by it. Luckily, everything went well. He he got he recovered extremely well. This was very early in the year, and there was nobody. And I'm not saying this to be in a pejorative sense, but I just noticed you're in downtown. We're in one of the nicest neighborhoods, not downtown, but in Lincoln Park, and there was like nobody out and about with their family, dressed well with money. It seemed that everybody. It felt like honestly that everybody that could afford to had already left the city and only those remaining were those that could not afford to leave. And that's a very tough and sad situation. And I hope those that remain fix it. Let's see what else do we got. Stocks fall as earnings season kicks off. Gold starts to lose its shine as a haven asset. That to me kind of indicates that like, People are, the freak out is, is, uh, is residing. Potential for higher spending pushes up yields and treasuries. Apple's new iPhone aims high and wide. Large lineup of products reflects aggressive pricing bet on 5G technology. Yeah, and what are they saying? The most expensive phone in the lineup costs $1,399. Dude, that's a laptop. That's a high-end laptop. And all you're doing is you're able to run the new iOS. It's a very clever ploy. They all do it. They make the iOS beautiful and gorgeous and require deep resources like uh, memory and band, uh, battery and and uh, processing power. So they can justify the upgrades to justify the price increase. Yet all you're paying for is a fancier iOS that kind of eats the increases in processing power anyway. And then, oh man, no longer including a charger with the new iPhone will help offset some of the latest cost pressure. Dude, what is going on, man? Are you kidding me? No no, uh, headphones, no charging adapter with the new iPhone. Oh, and it'll save them a ton of uh, carbon emissions and let them blah, 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 pack less paper. Give me a break. Is Apple the greediest company in the world? Perhaps. This is interesting. And again, greed isn't bad, but give me a break. Um, Uber, Lyft have a lot riding on election day. This is really fascinating to me. So much of California's gig economy, gig economy business could hinge on voters' interpretation of just 13 words as they show up to pick between Joe Biden and President Trump on November 3rd. Californians also will be asking to vote on Proposition 22. It would preserve the status of gig economy drivers as independent contractors rather than employees, 
permanently enabling companies such as rideshare and food delivery platforms to skirt regulations mandated by Assembly Bill 5. So those in support, Uber Eats, Lyft, DoorDash, they've pumped $186 million. So that is going to be interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, you know, I've driven Lyft and Uber before in dire straits, and I commend them for allowing me to uh, feed my family at times. But it's a stopgap. It's a temporary job. It's not a career. You have to have a plan to get out of it. But the flexibility allows you to have a plan. That's why they grew, because people could monetize a depreciating asset, a car, and develop different skill sets to further their careers, a.k.a. grow as a person pursue self-actualization their purpose in this world and that's why there's rider there's drivers available in every city and therefore riders have the option in every city um so they are building helping build a new economy so this is an interesting leadership section from the journal and it's the 100 most sustainably managed companies in the world a, bill, uh, a new ranking by the Wall Street Journal that focuses on companies' ability to create long-term shareholder value puts Sony at the top, right? How interesting is that? Even the Wall Street Journal is looking at financial sustainability as an indicator, as a thing to measure. So that's it for me today. If you want to listen to the next episode, text uh, AminiCorp to... 312-487-3550, and you will only get new versions of this podcast as they come out. Thank you. God bless.